Okay, so we'll uh, read First Corinthians 2, 1 to 5. And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you, save Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Now, as we remember last time, when we were learning from 1 Corinthians 1, the main reason why Paul is addressing on chapter 1 is the divisions. Because there was a group of people who said that one group belonged to Paul, another group belonged to Apollos, and there were different groups in the church. So when we were learning that word, we saw Paul saying that the gospel, the message of the gospel is foolish. And the messengers are base people. In other words, there were other mighty people, there were other wise people, there were other strong people, but yet God chose each one of us who was of no value and has given us this message so that what God will do through us will only bring glory to God. So that's what we were looking at chapter 1. Now when we come to chapter 2, now Paul is becoming personal. So now he spoke about the division, he spoke about the gospel, he spoke about the messenger. Now he's talking about himself. And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. What a wonderful word. See, many a times as children of God, as disciples of Jesus, when we are asked to pray, when we are asked to speak, the first thing that we have in our mind is, oh, I'm not an orator. Oh, I don't know how to speak. I do not know how to speak. But today when we read this word, we see Paul, the apostle, saying that when I came to you, I did not come with excellency of speech. In other words, I was not an orator. I was not a man who was playing with words. I was not a man who had a higher wisdom. In other words, some people say that I have more degrees, I have more things. So it was none of these things that made Paul different. So now Paul is saying, so it was not his wisdom or he did not have any higher wisdom. All that he knew was save Jesus Christ and him crucified. There is one word that he has literally used. I declare unto you the testimony of God. Now different commentators use different words for this word testimony of God. But as I was meditating on this word, the thought that came into my spirit was, when we go to Acts 26, Acts 26, we see Paul speaking to Agrippa. Now here, he talks the gospel. But when he talks the gospel, he 
speaks to him by talking to him about their testimony or how did Jesus meet with him? That's why when you read from verse 12, so first he talks about himself. He says that he was a Jewish person. He used to do everything. And then from verse 12, he says, Whereupon as I went to Damascus with authority and commission for the chief priest, at midday, O king, I saw in the way a light from heaven above the brightness of the sun shining round about me and them which journeyed with me. And when we were all fallen to the earth, I heard a voice speaking unto me and saying in the Hebrew tongue, Soul, soul, why persecute you me? It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And I said, Who art thou, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus whom you persecute. So now when you read that chapter, you see Paul is talking about how God met with them. Now, I believe this is exactly what Paul is saying. Paul is saying, see, when I came to you, I did not come with a lot of words. I did not come with a higher wisdom. I came with a message, a message that is that has touched my own life. A testimony from God. See, as a child of God, it is so important that we all have a testimony from God. See, what is this testimony? The testimony is that God has revealed himself to me and I have recognized his touch upon my life and I've changed my life. See, there are times God touches each one of us. Everybody in the world is touched by God one way or another. But the difference is when they recognize it. See, many of them, they say, oh, I was so lucky. Today, when I was crossing the road, I could have got hit. Oh, I was lucky. I went for an interview and I've passed through it. So every man or woman, one way or the other, they are touched by God. But when does it become a testimony? A testimony is when you have seen God. It is when he has revealed his heart to you. When you have understood that God is not just touching you to just bless you. He has touched you so that you would know his heart. That you would know what is his will for you. So that is a touch that Paul received and that is the testimony of God. So today, as we meditate on this word of God, there is this question to our own life. How did God touch us? And when God touched us, how did we react to it? Are we the same person? Before he touched us and after he touched us. If you are still the same person, then the touch of God has not really done anything in our life. See, it's not that important that everybody should have a testimony. Because that doesn't mean that every man and woman should have a testimony like Paul. But every man or woman who is touched by God in his life, in her life, knows that that was the turning point where he started walking with God. So that is something that we all need to carry in our life. You know, where, you know, see, as you walk with God, this touch would be revealed in different ways. I believe that as you grow in God, as you get matured in God, the testimonies of God will start increasing. See, because you see his touch in different ways. His testimonies would not be in a way where, you know, he has to kick you out of the hose. See, now when you sit with God, he speaks to you. That's a testimony. I have heard the Lord. He's dealing with my life. These are all testimonies. So Paul says, 
I declare unto you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you, save Jesus Christ and him crucified. So he's saying, what was I saying to you guys? Just about Jesus Christ and him crucified. That was his message. Paul did not say anything big. He did not say anything of high wisdom. All he talked about is the person of Jesus Christ. So what is this gospel? That's why we see gospel of Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, because it talks about the person of Jesus Christ. And him crucified, it talks about the cross. The works that Jesus did for us and the works that Jesus will do through the cross. When we look at Corinthian church, it is a carnal church. Now, Paul is talking to them. I want to talk to you about the cross. Why? The cross reveals the carnality of our life. It is the cross that teaches us that we should die to our flesh, die to the world, die to our dreams and live the way Jesus wants us to live. See, many a times today, gospel is addressed in a way where it talks only about Jesus, but not about the cross. See, unless the cross is not revealed, the power of gospel will be removed. See, that is why when we did study in 1 Corinthians 1, we saw in 117, Paul said, For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of no effect. In other words, what was he trying to say? If I try speaking to you the gospel with my own wisdom, then the cross of Christ will be of no effect. So in other words, Paul is saying, I was not using polished words. I was not using words that would entice you. He, he addresses that as we come down. Why was he not doing it? Because it is the cross and cross alone that will bring salvation to us. It is the cross and cross alone that will reveal who we are. It is the cross that shows us that you and I are sinners. It is the cross that shows us that we who were sinners had to be punished. But that punishment was taken by the Son of God for each one of us. So this is revealed on the cross. And verse 3. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. What a beautiful verse. See, when we read this word, we need to understand Paul was a very transparent man. Who's this Paul? He's an apostle. When you read 1 Corinthians 1, Paul says himself that I am an apostle by the will of God. Today, we know in the church, people love names. They're hitting each other for names. They say, I am the apostle, I am the prophet, I am so and so. But I love what Paul says. Paul says, I know I am an apostle by the will of God. And then Paul says, but guys, do you know, when I came to you, I came by weakness, in fear, in trembling. Which means, do you know what he said? I came to you because God sent me. And when I came to you, I knew that I do not have the power to address you guys. I was scared. I was weak. I was trembling. 
but yet i was focused on the heavenly calling of god hallelujah what does this teach us it teaches us that when we walk with god we need to listen to the voice of god and when we move forward we might be scared we might be afraid we will feel weakness but even in the midst of all that we would still go forward to obey what god has called us to do because we want to please god and many times we have this misunderstanding oh i'm an apostle and then god revealed to me and an angel of god came and i started bursting out so we have these wrong notions that when something happens something greater happens in us paul says guys nothing happened with me See that's why you will see in one verse where Paul says I was never disobedient to my heavenly calling. Why does he say that? Because there was chance for me to disobey. Why? Because I was weak. I was a man of fear. See that's why Paul when he addresses Timothy he says for God hath not given you the spirit of fear but of power love and of a sound mind. Where did he where did he say that? I believe it is the Lord who spoke to Paul. Paul, I have not given you the spirit of fear. Move forward. You see that? See, unless you do not get comforted, you cannot comfort others. If you don't have experience, you can't help others. But today, most of the people they listen to every preaching in the world and they use it on everybody. See, you can hear verses, you can hear sermons, you can learn sermons, you can learn everything. But when you talk to people, you can dump every information that you have, but it would not make any sense. But the information that has worked in your life, the word that has become life to you, when you give it to others, it becomes life for them. It's so important that we understand this part always. See, this is why when Paul starts by saying what is the gospel, and then when he comes to the second chapter, he's becoming very personal right now. He's telling them that I was weak, and then verse four, and my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power. Now he's saying, my speech, my preaching. was not enticing words what does it mean it mean there are people who does soulish ministry and then there is a spiritual ministry paul is saying i did not do it i did not do or i did not preach i did not speak by my soul i did it by the spirit of god see so it is so important for us to understand we can do ministry through our soul and through the spirit it is so important that we always understand when we do it through the soul it produces soulish people and this soulish ministry it feeds the desire of the people 
See, that's why some ministry, some word you hear, it talks about you, it talks about, it doesn't talk about sin, it doesn't talk about righteousness, it doesn't talk about judgment, it talks about you. God has a way for you. God will bless you. God will open a door for you. God will give your dreams. It's all about you. But when you learn the word, the word says it's not at all about you. It's all about Jesus. The soulish ministry it feeds our desires. It feeds our dream. Number three, soulish ministry makes us alive to the world. We become more and more alive to the world. Because now it feeds our desires. It feeds our dreams. It feeds our passions. We become more open to the world. The next thing, we are not eternal conscious. So the more you become alive to the world, your consciousness about eternity starts decreasing. Your life is not eternal perspective. It is world perspective. It is about today. It is about tomorrow. But a man of God who walks with God is not about today. It's not about tomorrow. The next thing they are not God-centered. Instead, they are man or church-centered. When soulish people talk to us, we are not God-centered. They are either man-centered or church-centered. In other words, have you come across people? They talk about the pastor. Hey, how's the church? Man, the pastor, he talks and he prays and the miracles. and You know, you, 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 you suddenly think, is the pastor Jesus? Because you hear more about the pastor than about Jesus. Then there are some people who say, oh, our church, oh, you have to come to a church. It's amazing. You enter the church, it's amazing. Then we have light and we have music and we have chairs and we have AC. See, these are soulish things. But when Paul says, I did not do that. What did I do? I spoke to you by the demonstration of the spirit and of power. Demonstration of the spirit and of power. In other words, my preaching, it showed you how does the spirit move. It showed you the power of God. And as a result, it produced spiritual people. The word that I spoke to you, it built your inner man. It was not feeding your desires. It was not feeding your passion. It was building your inner man. You have an inner man. And this inner man was built day by day. Number three. This word made you dead to the world. You were not alive to the world. You became dead to the world. Because now you have understood about sin, you've understood about righteousness, you've understood about judgment. So now you're dead to the world. And as a result, you became eternal conscience and you became God-centered. It is not about the pastor. It's not about the church. It is about Jesus. Why do you go to the church? I am going to meet Jesus. I'm going to hear what does he speak? Because your spiritual man is strengthened. Your spiritual man is given the food. So now you are going to the church because you want to be touched by the Holy Spirit. 
You go to the church because you want to feed the spiritual man. So that's where Paul says that I did not try to entice you. It was the spirit that moved among us. Hallelujah. It should be our prayer. When we speak the word of God, it is, it is so important that we cry out to God, Lord, let not my words attract people. Let not my charisma attract people. Let not my anything attract people. Father Lord, let there be a demonstration of the spirit and of power. And today as a result of this, the church has lost praying people. When we look behind us, the fathers of the old, they knew this fact that it is not the words that produce result. It is not the wisdom that produces result. It is the spirit and spirit alone that will produce result. And as a result, they would spend hours of time crying out to God for his mercy. But today, what has happened? The church has forgotten the secret. The church has not only forgotten, the church has come to a place where there are heroes and celebrities in the church. They are the forefront face of the church. But I want to tell you, if I become the face of the church, I would be doing the greatest mistake because I am part of the body of Christ. Jesus is the head and the church is the body. If the body cannot move according to the head, the body is useless. And this is exactly why when these type of preachers who become the face of the church, when they fall, the whole church falls. Because it is he who drived the church. But a real congregation is led by Jesus. Whoever falls, whoever stands, the people of the congregation stands by the Spirit of God. The reason why I take this time to tell you this is so important that you mark it out because as you walk with God, when God starts using you, it should be your prayer. Lord, let not the world see me. Let me not be the forefronting face. God, let it be your spirit. This, this will teach us two things. Number one, it will teach us to pray. That is why there are men like praying people who said, a man who has prayed well has done half the job. Because today most of the people think it's in the preaching that everything happens. But no, the people of the old said, it is when you start to pray. That is why when you read books of the old today, you don't have that type of books. There are books of old that I've read through, that I've seen, that people and men of God would pray more than five and six and seven hours before they would go and preach. They're not praying for an anointing. Today, there are people who pray for anointing because the, the crowd has to move. It was not about the anointing. These men of God would cry out to God. They would storm the throne room for the mercy of God so that God would move among the people, not for an anointing, but that they would get repented, that they would be broken in the presence of God. They would cry out to God for a demonstration of the spirit and of power.
And that's why if you would read the history of revivals, the Pentecostal revival, when God used an African man, it is read about him that when he used to preach, he used to keep a cardboard box over his head because he was so scared that people would look unto him. He would keep a cardboard box over his head because he wanted the people to know it is not the vessel that moves among you. It is God himself that comes down and is moving among us. Can you imagine that? Today for us, it is very hard to digest to hear that there were men of God who would put cardboard box over their head. Because today, most of the people are crying out, God, use me, please. Why do we want to be used? Because we want to be known. But I want you to know, the men of the old, they didn't pray to God to be used, to be known. They prayed, God, hide me and let your name be glorified. And it should be our prayer to God. If you would use me, Lord, hide me under your holy presence. Verse 5. That your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Why was he more focused to tell us that it is the demonstration of the spirit and of power that is important? Because he wanted our faith to stand. Because Christian life is not a bed of roses. Christian life is a life of suffering, a life of endurance, a life of hardship. Why is it so? Because we are not of this world. We are strangers and pilgrims of this world. We do not win the world. We walk against the world. And as a result, it is important that our faith stands our faith remains at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. So that faith will stand only and only alone if it is touched and nurtured and blessed by the power of God. A faith that is not nurtured by God is a faith that will not stand the trials of life. A faith that is built on the wisdom of men will fall under the trials of life. That's why we need to pray, God, touch me. Let my faith be built upon you and you alone. See, that's why Paul says the foundation is Jesus. And it is me and the rest who build on it. The foundation is Jesus. It should be our prayer. The Lord build me, nurture me, O oh God. Lord, help me to stand still. Lord, touch me by the power of God. See, these words are so important because our times, our times are so deceptive. Today, most of the people, their faith is on men of God. Their faith is on church. And that's why these chapters are so important as we learn. It is important that we look to our life and we could say, that my faith is built on Jesus and Jesus alone. Whatever I lose in this life, if I lose my job, if I lose my family, if I lose my church, if I lose my pastor, if I lose my health, if I lose myself, I will stay in him because 
I am in Jesus. In him alone is where I dwell. He alone is my source. He alone is the one who will nurture me. He alone is my wisdom. That should be our testimony. Verse 6. Howbeit we speak wisdom among them that are perfect, yet not the wisdom of this world, nor of the princes of this world that come to naught. Now Paul is saying, we speak wisdom to them that are perfect. In other words, the words that we speak, the words that we hear in church, the preachings, these are words of wisdom. Words of wisdom. Words of wisdom that we would be matured in Christ. The wisdom that would help us to grow and be matured in Christ. So in other words, now Paul is saying, my words, that is spiritual. That is to build you. That is to keep your faith. That alone is not what he's saying. He's saying, this wisdom, it will help you to grow and be matured in Christ. What a word, what a word. Hallelujah. Why is he saying all that? Because he's saying, see the words that I speak to you. These words are not to attract you to me. These words are not to bind you to me. The words that I speak, these words help you to grow and mature in Christ. There are men of God today. They speak wisdom. They speak great words. When we hear it, we feel that we can only hear it from this man of God. We feel that if we don't attach ourselves to this man, we are lost. But Paul is saying, the words that I spoke to you, that words were meant for you to grow. That words were meant so that you would mature in Christ. So that when you mature in Christ, you will fulfill the heart and the will of God. Hallelujah. What a wonderful word. It should be our prayer. It should be our prayer. God, as we speak the word, Lord, let it nurture people. Let it build their faith. Let it help them to stay. Because when we speak the whole counsel of God, our prayer is that the ones who would hear it, that, that they, they will not only get blessed, but they will remain even if we are not there. It's not about us. It is about Jesus. And it is about Jesus and Jesus alone. Hallelujah. And that's why he says, the wisdom that I gave to you, it is a wisdom of God. I want you to go to James 3 verses 15 so that I show you the, why he was speaking specific about the wisdom of God. James 3 verses 15. The wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensual, and devilish. For where envying and strife is, there is confusion in every evil work. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, and easy to be entreated, full of mercy, good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. 
Now Paul is saying, when you read this chapter, James says, there is a wisdom that comes from above and there is a wisdom that comes from below. How do you know? Are you hearing the right wisdom? That's why Paul says, I spoke to you so that you would mature, but I did not speak to you the wisdom of this world. So there are two types of wisdom. A wisdom that is of the world and a wisdom that is heavenly. When you read James 3.15, Apostle says, the wisdom that is from below, from the world, it is earthly. So how do you understand that the wisdom that you hear is from God or not? If it talks about the things of the earth, then you know that you're not hearing the wisdom of God. If it talks about the cars and the houses and the money and everything, you know that this is not a wisdom that is coming from above. Number two, it is sensual. That's what I said before. It, it energizes your senses. You desire for it. You pray, you lift your hands and you see people of God saying, hey, lift up your purse. I'm going to pray for you. Your purse is going to fill. It's sensual because now your senses are full of prayer. Lord, bless me. But what did Jesus say? Jesus said, guys, don't worry about your tomorrow. Even look at Jesus' prayer. Jesus said, pray for your daily bread. See, when Jesus taught us prayer, he said, Lord, give, my, give me my bread for today. He did not pray for tomorrow. So in other words, he's teaching us, be content. Be content. So it's not sensual. Number three, it's not devilish. If it is earthly, if it is sensual, then it is truly devilish. See, that's why when we see some things happening in the church, we say, oh, what if God, what if God blessed them? Maybe it's God who blessed him with the things of this earth. Maybe it is God who does everything. But the Bible says, the wisdom that comes from below, if you can see the first two things, the third thing is automatically there. If it's earthly, if it is sensual, surely it will be devilish. See how important it is to it is for us to understand these things. Because I don't think there is not a much better time than our time. Because today we see every type of things in the church. But yet the gospel, the word is so clear on how we should walk. Verse 7, but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. Even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world and to our glory, which none of the princes of this world knew, for had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Now he's saying, what is the wisdom of God? It was a mystery. It was a hidden wisdom which God ordained before. I want you to go to Romans 16, 25 and 26. Romans 16, 25 and 26. You want one of us to read? Yeah, yeah, sure. Uh, now all glory to God who is able to make you strong, just as my good news says. This message about Jesus Christ has revealed his plan for us 
for you gentiles a plan kept secret from the beginning of time but uh, now as the prophets foretold and as the eternal god has commanded this message is made known to all gentiles everywhere so that they too might believe and obey him look at that word so now paul is saying that this gospel the power to establish you according to my gospel the preaching of jesus christ according to the revelation of the mystery which we kept secret since the world began in other word these were kept secret it was a hidden mystery of god no one knew about it but now it is revealed through whom through jesus christ now this revelation through jesus christ is obtained to us by obedience in faith so this was never known to anybody god was only revealed to the jewish people a sect of people but this was hidden from us but now through jesus christ this has been revealed that's why when we read i want also you to read john 1 12 and 13 john 1 12 and 13 as many as received him to them gave he power to become the sons of god even to them that believed on his name which were born not of blood nor of the will of the flesh nor of the will of man but of god amen but as many as received him to them gave he power to become the sons of god to them that believe on his name hallelujah so this is what the gospel is we who were sinners when we believed on his name we were given the power to become the sons of god and the word says we have not born of flesh blood or the will of the flesh nor of the will of man but of god what does that tell you what does it tell me he tells me that it is god and god alone that should work in me the power of god should touch me So just by me telling oh yes i believe in jesus name nothing changes nothing changes as we hear this word as we meditate on this word it is important that we ask this question are we changed do we have the power that makes us the sons of god how do we know we have the power we will have the new nature Ephesians says that we who are born are given a new nature. We have an old nature. The old nature is being crucified, and now we have a new nature, which is made in righteousness and in holiness. In other words, if you and I say that I believe in Jesus Christ, and if you do not have a hunger for righteousness, if you do not have a thirst for holiness, if you do not study the Word of God, if you do not learn the Word of God, it means that you are not changed by the power of God. this power of god should work in us the new nature should be revealed see that's why the bible says you are not born by flesh you're not born by the will of man see i can come and touch your head and i can tell you believe in jesus name and you might say yes i believe my brother and then i can say oh yes he is a new creation no the power of god should touch you 
The power of God should reveal that your old nature is sin. You should have this revelation that I cannot live like this. There should be a cry in your heart. God, I do not want to live a sinful life. These cries would only come if you are touched by the power of God. That is when you know that you are separated from the world. Just because we go to church, just because we read the Bible, we cannot say that we are saved. If God has really touched you and me, we will enjoy the separation. We know that God is working in us. See, it does not mean that I am perfect, but it does mean that I am on the way to perfection. Because God is working in me. There are things that I love because I was of the world. But when I do the things of the world, the Holy Spirit convicts me. That's why the word of God, there is a power. The Holy Spirit, he convicts me. See, that's why when you keep reading down, I would, I would take that word again. You know, but before I uh, go to that word, you see here, it says, but which none of the princes of the world knew for had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. The princes of this world, the kings, the demonic powers, some say it is the demonic powers, some say it was the king, it doesn't matter. If they knew that when Jesus gets crucified, you and I would be paid for our sins and that when we believe we would become the sons of God, they would not have allowed it. But thank God, thank God, Jesus died for our sins. That's why it says, but as it is written, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for those who love him. Hallelujah. Why was it not revealed? Because God loved us. Because God loved us so much that he wanted to give himself to us. See, we use this word many a times for most of our promises. It is okay to use it. But you and I need to know one of the greatest promise that God has given us is him himself. Jesus, the greatest treasure. I have not seen, ear hath not heard, neither have entered into the things of heart that what God has prepared for those who love him. God loved us so much that he said to us, Jesselyn, if you would believe in me, I would dwell with you. I would walk with you. I would be Emmanuel. In other words, God with us. That is the greatest gift he has given us. As believers, as disciples of Jesus Christ, the greatest honor of our life is that we are no more alone. See, that's why the Bible says, the moment the Spirit of God comes into your heart, there is a cry that goes into our heart. Abba, Father. Hallelujah. The people of this world, they need to work hard. Why do I not need, need not do in that life? Because I have a father. I was an orphan before, but now I have a father. It's true that I do not know about my tomorrow. It is true that I have problems. But even in the midst of it, I know for sure that I am under the mighty hand of a father. A father who loves his son. How do I know that my father loves me? It is when I look at the cross. He gave his only begotten son that he would pay that price for me on the cross so that I and you would become his son. Hallelujah. Today, when we hear this word, maybe you would say in your heart, oh God, do you really love me? 
Oh, there are not there are not things that is happening in my life. There are doors that are closed. But the word of God says, my dear son, the greatest gift that I've given us, myself to you. If I am with you, there is nothing that can stop you. If I am with you, there are no doors that can be closed. If I am with you, there are no blessings greater than that blessing. If I am with you, there is nothing that can touch your life nor your future because he alone is the Alpha and Omega. He alone is the creator. He alone is the King of Kings. That God alone is alone for, is enough for our life. And let us hold on to Jesus. Let us hold on to Jesus. Verse 10, verse 10. But God hath revealed them unto us by his spirit. Searcheth all things, the deep things from God. For what man knoweth the things of a man, save the spirit of man which is in him. Even so the things of God knoweth no man but the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us. Hallelujah. Now, when we read that word, it says, the men who are loved, I has not seen, nor he has heard. The people whom he loves, what does he do? They have the spirit of God. Hallelujah. The greatest treasure that we have. That's why Paul in Corinthians says that we, the earthen treasure, has earthen vessels have a hidden treasure. What is that? It is the spirit of God. Hallelujah. As we meditate this word, as we uh, read and study this word, can you ask yourself, Abba, do I have the Holy Spirit? Do I have the Holy Spirit? Abba, are you dwelling in me? Am I doing anything that will grieve you, God? Because the greatest treasure, the sign, the seal that he loves us is the Holy Spirit. Number two, the Spirit of God, it reveals the things of God. Amen. So now we who are loved by God, He's been entrusted with the Spirit of God and now He reveals the things of God. What does God love? What does God want to do with me? What is God's plan for me? See, these things are revealed by the Spirit of God. So now the Spirit of God, He's not simply sitting in the earthen vessel. He reveals to us the heart of God. So this is why it's so important that you sit in the presence of God. That's why it's so important that you study the word of God. Because you want to hear from the spirit of God. Many times people do not spend time because they think prayer is a boring business. Prayer is speaking to God. When you speak to God, the spirit of God would reveal the things of God into your spirit. He reveals it. The next word says, he's not just revealing anything. He reveals deep things of God. Deep things of God. It's so important that I have to tell you this. Today, people say that I'm saying deep revelations. Deep things. When we hear it, we feel that he speaks that deep things because it was specially given to him. No. Nobody is special. We are all sons and daughters of God. If we will sit in the presence of God, He will reveal the deep things of God. What does it teach me? It teaches me another important point. It tells me another important point. It tells me, Jesslyn, if you will sit with me, I will reveal the things of God. And if you would sit day by day, hour by hour in my presence, I would reveal deeper things to you. 
it is god's heart to reveal deeper things but are you spending enough time with him see it is just like as i speak this word a picture that i see is just imagine you bringing a drilling machine and you drill the ground the more you drill it goes deeper see that's why you have heard when you go to middle east and the the people they keep drilling and drilling and drilling and at last they find gold they find oil see there are things deeper but it is true there are farmers who would have worked on the same field they did not see oil in it they did not see diamond in it but somebody took the time to drill deep in today the spirit of god is telling us if you would sit with me i would not just reveal the things of god but i would reveal deep things of god so in other word we have a responsibility a responsibility to sit with him a responsibility to hear from him a responsibility to hear and do what he tells us the next thing the word of god says as children of god we need to know that we do not contain the spirit of the world but the spirit of god hallelujah that's why the word of god says verse 12 now we have received not the spirit of the world but the spirit which is of god that we might know the things that are freely given to us of god hallelujah so what does it tell me it tells me that there are things of the world that contains the spirit of this world when i sit with god he reveals to me the free things of god in other word what i receive freely i give out freely he gave me freely i'm giving out freely why because i have the spirit of god but at the same time i need to be careful when i live in this world the spirit of the world will influence me but as a child of god it is my prayer it is my inheritance that the spirit of god dwelleth in me so we should always be careful we should always be careful verse 14 but the natural man receive not the things of the spirit of god for they are foolishness unto him neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned but he that is spiritual judges all things yet he himself is judged of no man for who hath known the mind of the lord that he may instruct him but have the mind of christ now paul is saying so we who have the spirit of god we need to know one thing what is it the natural man he cannot receive the spirit of god why because it is foolishness unto him he cannot know it why because it's spiritually discerned in other word you and i who carry the spirit of god when we walk among the people we need to know that everybody is not spiritual there is the spiritual man and then there is a natural man so when you speak the things of the spirit to a natural man he might not understand everything that you say he might not understand every word that you say every word that you speak will only be understood by the spiritual man the next thing it is spiritually discerned in other word when you speak this words to other people we need to pray god 
open their eyes, open their heart. Let them see what they have to see. This should be a prayer that should come from our spirit. We need to know we are walking among natural men. So when we speak to them, it is foolishness unto them. They, they will not tell you, oh, you've done a good job. Oh, you've heard from God. Wow, wonderful. No, they're not going to say that. They're going to say it is foolishness. Yeah. So we need to pray to God when we speak to people. It is important that we discern it. Because natural man, they will be against us. The next word says, but he that is spiritual judgeth all things. Yet he himself is judged of no man. For who hath the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. So now Paul is saying, who are we? We are the spiritual man. What do we have? We have the spirit of God. The spirit of God, he reveals things to us. The spiritual man, he has the mind of Christ. The spiritual man, he judgeth everything. What does that mean? It means he weighs everything. Judge means not that we say what is right and wrong. It means everything that we hear, we weigh on an eternal perspective. Why? Because we have the mind of Christ. How do you weigh it? You weigh it through the mind of Christ. Because you have the mind of Christ. Whatever you hear, you ask the Lord, Appa, is this something that pleases you? Is this eternally motivated? Is it coming from you, O God? Do I need to do this, O God? We can ask God. Why? Because we have the mind of Christ. Hallelujah. So today... As we learn this chapter, Paul is saying about his own life. Paul talks to us. He says that he was weak. But he thanks God that he has the spirit of God. As a child of God, this is our greatest blessing. He teaches us that we might be weak. We might not be eloquent. We might not be strong. But yet we have the spirit of God. We have the spirit that will reveal the heart of God. The spirit that would teach us the mind of Christ. Today, as we close this word, let it be our prayer. Lord, fill me with your spirit. Fill me with your spirit. Lord, thank you for all the weaknesses that I have. Let my weaknesses lead me to you alone. Lead me to you alone. Let this be our prayer. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, once again, we come to your holy presence, Apaja. Thank you for speaking to us from the word. Oh, what a wonderful word. What a wonderful word. Abhijah, thank you for teaching us today that it is not the eloquence of words. It is not the wisdom of us. It is you and you alone that works in people. Father Lord, even as we study this word, even as this word is heard by people, oh, let the spirit move, let the power of God move. Let people be convicted. Let people repent of their life, O oh God. Father, I pray that your hand would move among each one of us, O oh God. Let the word work deeper in our spirit, O oh God. Thank you for everything that you've done. I pray a blessing upon everyone who has heard this word and who will hear this word. We thank you for everything. We give you glory. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.